Hi, and welcome to the Jasmine Star Show, a podcast all about dreaming big, pursuing even bigger passions, and having fun along the way. My goal always is to stay interested and to stay interesting, and I couldn't think of a better topic for us to dive into in our very first episodic series on the podcast entitled Crypto Curious. Now you might be listening and being like, wait a minute, this is a bit of a departure. Jasmine talks about business. Jasmine talks about grit. Jasmine talks about marketing. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am multifaceted. I have been recently geeking out around a very hot topic around NFTs. But before I get to this point, I want to be completely open and honest. I don't know much, if anything, about NFTs. And I know always that when something in my gut lights up, I have to listen to that intuition. I started getting curious around NFTs and started doing a little bit of research and it was so confusing. And it was like I was reading a different language. I did not know how to get into it. Well, lo and behold, I was having a conversation with a team member and his name is Daniel. I'm gonna introduce to him in just a second. So Daniel and I start talking about NFTs and Daniel has a really unique way of making a complex idea really simple. And so I decided to fully lean into the fact that I am a student and I thought, how selfish of me to be a student without giving people the opportunity who want to be fellow students. So on this podcast and in subsequent videos, I'm going to be documenting my journey with the goal starting at what is an NFT in episode one to, hey, Jasmine, hey, Daniel, I just bought my first NFT by the end of episode five. These will be dropping over five consecutive weeks and I look forward to answering your question in real time and making sure that you feel confident learning a new language and confident in a new space along with myself. Having said all of that, I want to take a second to welcome Daniel to the Jazz and Star Show. Daniel, welcome. And then the, cloud, the crowd goes wild. Hey, Jasmine. Thank you for having me on. I am literally so excited to talk about all this. Like, I know. I feel like I'm always that guy like at the corner of the street who's like screaming random things like, oh, there's this, there's NFTs. And I'm just happy like someone's going to listen to me now. And they're like, yes. Oh, cool. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going to be standing on that like corner sidewalk with you like, hey, listen to us. But here's the thing. One of the things that I, I really appreciate about Daniel is that whenever Daniel and I have spoken about NFTs, I'm like, okay, Daniel, like make it simple though. Like, wait, wait, wait. no, no, Daniel, that got real complex. So what you are going to hear in this podcast, and I've already told Daniel, that I will be jumping in and being like, no, 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 say that again. Like, explain it to me like I'm five. I have, Daniel, how many times have I said that? Over the course of us knowing each other almost a year or just over a year. How, I mean, that's just my vernacular because Daniel's brilliant and I'm not. That's <laughs> <laughs> the best way to handle things. Okay. Flying is the best way to go. Okay, good. So on that note, um, I feel kind of like it's anticlimactic. Like maybe in episode two, we come up with like a theme song or something. Cause I kind of, am just like, okay, let me get into my questions. I feel like we need some sort of like fade away. Maybe in post-production, we'll have like a, a, a cool beat or something drop. So we are going to start with the basics. And so the topic of this episode, episode one is 
what is an NFT? So our goal is to help the listener and myself, like no faking the funk to get from A to Z from like, I don't know what this is to, I just bought my first NFT and I want ideally to hold your hand. Yes, I'm Latina. I'm warm and fuzzy. I'm very like, I'm into physical touch. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to hug you through this process. And I want to like demystify what a lot of people think is a daunting landscape. So Daniel had suggested that we open with the idea of scaffolding. Like, you know, if you've ever walked down like New York City or in a downtown area and they're scaffolding the side of a building or the bottom of a building. Daniel, how about we start there? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, with the concept of scaffolding, uh, something that I found was super helpful in my journey in crypto was starting with like the core foundational concepts of like cryptocurrency and cryptography and then going up from there. Um, I really think that with everyone that's listening right now, having that strong foundation is going to allow them to build on their understanding and then be able to understand anything that gets thrown at them, basically. Because, you know, this field is always changing. There's always going to be new things to keep up with. But uh, what I'm really hoping for is that we're going to be able to give everyone the tools they need to understand what's being thrown at them and uh, to make, you know, smart business decisions around those, those ideas. Ugh, I love this. Okay, so we're going to start getting into some very basic terminology. When we start defining what like very common vernacular is, specifically, we're going to define what an NFT is. But why is this important? Like, quite honestly, why should you even care? Now, Daniel's going to drop some really cool knowledge and some numbers around why it even matters. But one thing that I want to caution, because I'm telling you just last night, the night before we go into this recording, I sat across from my husband and I was sitting cross-legged on the bed and he's trying to go to sleep. And I'm like, no, no, I think you, I think you don't realize it. I think I'm too late. I think I'm, I'm jumping into the NFT space too late. And he has his eyes closed and he's like, you're going to talk to Daniel and Daniel's going to tell you, which he often has, is like the best time to have started was yesterday. And the second best time to have start is today. So ladies and gentlemen, you're right where you need to be. It is such a new, new, new space. I am saying this to myself as much as I'm saying it to anybody else. But Daniel, let's talk about some crazy numbers. Let's talk about, well, first define what is a total market cap and then explain how big this industry could be. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a total market cap is, let's put it in the frame of the stock market first. So you have market cap for companies. Um, so if you look at Apple, they have a market cap of roughly three trillion dollars, and then and the way you get to that number is you take every share that Apple has on the market or that anyone anyone owns, and then you multiply that by the price of one stock. So if we try to make a simple example out of this, if I have ten stocks, and each stock is worth ten dollars, then the total market cap of the entire company is a hundred dollars. So that's market cap in the uh, context of the stock market. In the context of crypto, a market cap is you have, let's say, 10 coins that are part of a cryptocurrency. That's the total circulating value. And those coins, you multiply that by the price of a single coin. So 10 coins for a price of $10 gets you a total market cap of $100 for a coin. So now that we have an understanding of market cap, I would love to compare two things that always blow my mind when I think about it. If you look at the total market cap of all cryptocurrencies in the cryptocurrency space, right? You look at all the coins out there and combine them. You come to a total market cap of almost $3 trillion. And, you know, like I just said earlier, Apple's market cap is almost $3 trillion. So 
we're saying all the, all the currencies ever, all these digital currencies that exist combined are equal to a company, a single company on the American stock market. So I think that's just incredible to think about how small this market is right now and how much more space it has to grow. And mm. another or another two that kind of really blow my mind is one, only 20% of Americans actually own any sort of cryptocurrency at all. So again, if you're here, you're early, super early, mm. uh, especially when it comes to NFTs. If you look at how many people own NFTs, it's 360,000 people worldwide. That's, that's so small. That is like a small city of people decided they should own NFTs. Mm. Uh, so this is very similar a lot of times so people are like okay but still like why does this even matter there was a time in human history where somebody had said there's this little thing called the internet and people are like that's cute I really like my yellow pages and then there was a time in human history where people would say I would never put my credit card on this crazy internet I would never send or share personal information on the internet and now it became like a very common that is the only way we function and in my gut and I don't know much about it, but in my gut, I'm like, this is the future. This is the future internet. This is the future transactionary space. This is the next big thing. And I don't know why, but I feel it so strongly in my gut. However, I don't want to put too much pressure on it. I want to make sure that we are here and we're having fun with this. So Daniel, let's dive into defining what is an NFT? Yeah, absolutely. So an NFT, I mean, it sounds really terrible, right? Like NFT. Okay. Well, wait until you hear what it stands for. Um, Non-fungible token. Ew, right? Like it just doesn't... Ew. <laughs> um, so uh, let's dive into like what even non-fungible means. Uh, so non-fungible means that you can't exchange one item for the other because they don't have the exact same value. Uh, the, the way I like to think about it is if I say... Hey, uh, Jasmine, I would like to exchange my Honda Civic for a Ferrari. You would say, Daniel, you're crazy. Uh, you can't have a Ferrari uh, for a Honda Civic. That Those are just two completely different things. These are apples and oranges here. Um, so that, to me, is an example of something that's non-fungible. And uh, something that is fungible is something like currency, usually. So like, if you look at the U.S. dollar, I can say, hey, Jasmine, do you mind if I take one of your dollars and in exchange I'll give you one of my dollars? And you'll be like, sure, I mean, I don't know why you want to swap a dollar bill with me, but I mean, sure, it's the same value in my eyes. So that would be something that's fungible. So to put it simply, NFTs are, non are non-fungible because no NFT is the same value as another because they, they all have different values versus something like the US dollar where they are fungible because they do have the same value. Can we use a different example? Sure, for like the um the fungibility like, or non fungibility. Well, let's get into art. So you had you you tell me like oh Jasmine like the fact that like this is actually a strength. So NFTs are a great way to sell art because art is non fungible. Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if you look at art right now, the art market, like no one is saying like you know these two art pieces are exactly the same value or saying that you know I'll take three art pieces and and that's how I pay for something right it's a market that is speculative you look at something and it's like what value does this have to you it's not even like monetary anymore it's monetary plus maybe sentimental or some other value that you find in it 
Maybe you just like looking at it, right? Or having the ownership of something means something to you. So that's something that really excites me about the NFTs is that NFTs basically act as digital certificates of ownership for a work of art. And this is the thing that a lot of people will kind of use as like an attack on NFTs. They'll be like, well, look, I can just screenshot an image and download it. And, and it's like, well, yeah, but that's really not the point. Like, for example, you can go to the Louvre and look at a, at a painting of, of the Mona Lisa and take a picture of it. But do you own the Mona Lisa? So that's the way I like to look at it, is that NFTs prove that you, that maybe cryptographically prove. Like, so basically it's like a, it's like a government document is the way I, I like to look at it. It's like someone is saying, yes, Jasmine does own this NFT. She is the sole owner of this work of art. Okay. And okay. 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 So before we go from there, people are watching and being like, whoop-de-whoop, like, congratulations, you own the Mona Lisa and congratulations, I own a Picasso. Like, what does this really mean? And in my mind, and tell me if I'm wrong, tell me if I'm freaking wearing like a tin hat. I think that this is going to change how we behave on the internet so much so that it's not now. But I could see a future and tell me if I'm wrong, that we are going to showcase what we own in an NFT capacity as a form of identity. So there was a time back in, let's just say 2010, if you went to your favorite concert, you would take a picture of yourself at that concert and put it out on Instagram. You were at that concert. But like years later, years later, I'm not going back to your Instagram account to see that you saw like, I don't know, Tom Petty. Into was Tom Petty alive in 2010? I just I don't know why he came. I don't know why he came. Okay, 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 okay. So I I'm not going to do that. But there's going to come a time where I could look and see that if you went to a concert and part of that concert ticket came with an NFT, it becomes part of your identity, what you are putting out online. So there's going to be things that we buy that showcase who we are, our taste, and our value. And this was so apparent to me. So Daniel and I communicate often in our inner organization communication. It's called Slack. It's like just sending a message. And he had said that he had bought an NFT and then over a short amount of time, it had really increased in value because a lot of people wanted to buy that same NFT. And it just said, and he didn't, he, I, he just wrote it as just like a flippant thing. And I was like, uh, huh. He said, it just showcases that you can find an affordable under the radar NFT that later increases over time, which obviously is a good business move, but it also showcases, and he said, that I have good taste. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you could spot the next musician, the next talented artist, and at some point in the future when businesses super start incorporating this, like if there's this like some nondescript Japanese shoe line and they want to fund their Japanese shoes by selling an NFT and then you get that shoe and then Sony looks at your wallet and like, wow, you bought those shoes before they were ever a thing? Like you bought the future version of Nike and you're like, yeah, I do. It's showcased there on the blockchain. Am I getting ahead of myself? Am I getting ahead of myself? Not at all. I think that's a, a perfect, perfect point. Being able to say, like, look, I have curated these NFTs. Haha, <laughs> social curator. But hey, I have. <laughs> hey. There you go, right? I mean, we love curating things. We love building our personalities into our lives and, and putting it in a place where it's like, look, look at what I've put together. Look at my tastes. Look at my cultural choices. And people can look at it and say, like, wow, this is an amazing collection. And I can totally see your personality in this. So that's like another layer to it, right? There's like this sort of compliment to thinking like, wow, 
I really believed in this artist before anyone else did. And, and I can prove it, you know, w- mm-hmm. with, with my transactions, I can say, look, I believe in this artist before anyone else did. Um, now, now I, I know that what happens is like, we're coming here and we're talking about art and people are like, well, that's great. But like, number one, I'm not really about art and, or I don't create art and this must just be for artists. And I would venture to say, and I don't, and, I, and this is the conversation that I have with Daniel all the time. I'm like, Daniel, it is my mission to figure out how NFTs will impact this space for small business owners. Like, I don't know what it is quite yet, but I'm like, I'm hell bent on doing that. But I can also say that there's going to be a future where people will buy an NFT from myself or another business owner who they're like, I believe in the thing that you're building and they are going to want to have it in their wallet to say, you know, when Jeff Bezos was before Jeff Bezos, I am, I have a cryptocurrency in Amazon before it was a thing. And so I think to a certain point that there is going to be other people who have things, have your NFT as part of your business to say, that was the business I believed in and I supported just as a mark of something. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I just wanted to lay the foundation. Like, listen, I'm not here to talk about like, oh, are you going to draft something on your iPad? It's like, no, no, there's something bigger here. Let's just get familiar with the language. We've defined an NFT. Now let's kind of take it because I'm using words like wallet, but we haven't really got there yet. So here we go. Where are these digital certificates, your NFT, your non-fungible token, where are they stored? Yeah, absolutely. That that is like the million dollar question, right? Where where is all of this like even going? Um, so it's all being stored on the blockchain, and that sounds like a really scary word. So I'm definitely going to jump into all of that. Which and the blockchain is a decentralized way to store transactional information. And wow, like yet again, like all these scary words in in that sentence. So first, let me jump in what it means to be a blockchain. Like, what does that even mean? So the way I like to look at blockchains is that they're like a long list of transactions. I like to even think of it as like an Excel sheet or like a spreadsheet. And uh, every time something new happens, we add a transaction in there. Like someone sent this many dollars to someone, right? But here's where the decentralized component comes in. Now imagine instead of one spreadsheet, I have a spreadsheet jasmine has a spreadsheet and everyone else has a spreadsheet of these transactions and every time a transaction happens we all add it to our spreadsheet so i can say hey everyone i sent jasmine twenty dollars and then i add it to my spreadsheet jasmine adds it to her spreadsheet and so does everyone else but now let's say someone tries to take advantage of this right they try to say like yeah well someone sent me forty dollars but if we all check our spreadsheets and we say well we don't have that in our spreadsheet so you must be wrong. And it's kind of like this majority versus minority consensus, right? If everyone else knows that these transactions happened, then no one can lie to us because we know that we would have been told in the past and we would all have it in our transactions list. Um, so that's where the power of decentralization comes in because we can trustlessly transact. And what I mean by that is if you look at the centralized alternative, So if you look at banks, PayPal, Venmo, we have to look at them and trust them to be honest with our transactions. So, and, you know, generally, yes, they they are uh, faithful to like what we tell them to do. Like we do need them to send $20 to another person. It will happen. But you are not in control in those situations because it's centralized because they're able to say, no, you can't send that money. 
Or maybe they're able to say that even though you do have money in there, you can't send it. Or they can say you did send something when you didn't, right? So that there's all this control that happens when you put it in a centralized system. So pivoting back to decentralized now. Okay, what time out? Okay, yeah. so, okay. so let's, let's take a deep breath here. We want to make sure that the idea why blockchain really matters for us in the future. And you're like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, but we should know why it matters now. So in the future, it changes our behaviors. But Ashley's listening and she had said, why does this matter? How does being a fan or a supporter of a piece of art or a brand early build wealth or contribute to your business? Another person is like, uh, Melanie says, so we buy NFTs for bragging rights? I don't get why we should want them. Now, I Daniel's going to give a much more intellectual answer, but I'm going to say to Melanie or Ashley or anybody else, why do you wear Nikes over Reeboks? Why do you buy a designer purse? or not? Why did you decide to drive an infinity versus a Kia? These are, we all make transactions and we all make transactions based on personal preferences. All an NFT represents is you wearing your running shoes, your designer bags, or your car out for people to see it. And here's the crazy thing is that people are like, I don't get why anybody would do this. We talk about transparency. We talk about spreadsheets. But what has really amplified on social media is that people are renting a private jet for one hour and then doing like photos in there and them saying like, oh, I'm off. Like a couple of years ago, it was a, it was like a rapper who said he was on his way somewhere and he was like in a private jet. And then somebody took a picture of him sitting in coach in a standard flight. So he was posturing, I think it was, what was it, Little Bow Wow? I think it, I think it was. Um, he was posturing that he was in a private jet. What happens on the blockchain is there's no faking. People know what you buy and why you buy it. It is simply a demarcation of your taste and your preferences. The same way that you choose to buy an article of clothing, the same way that you choose to go to one salon over another. It's basically curating your taste, not to matter, but just to put a stake in the world and say, this is what I identify with. So you might say, well, that doesn't resonate with me. But that's being a little close-minded because it's going to resonate with a lot of people really, really soon. Whenever I look at the next largest demographic of people who are buying and consuming, let's just say anybody who was in like, if you have a child underneath 15, they know what Fortnite is. And so they're very accustomed to buying skins on Fortnite. And like, it really matters. They're like, I need to buy this skin so my friends online can see. And I'm like, that's NFTs. This whole wave of people are going to be putting out online to prove that this is who they are, this is their taste, what they do, how they shop. So Daniel, what is more of like an intellectual take on, wait, so we're buying NFTs to showcase that it matters? Right, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a cultural component to it, right? Like you were saying. I do also like to look at it, though, even from a, a financial perspective and Yep. I know this is still like a view that people are having trouble, like even if they understand, they're having trouble really believing in it, right? Because it's just so new. But the idea that you can invest in NFTs prospectively hoping that, you know, your investment will come back at an even larger number than you initially put in. Um, it's something that, 
even I have been struggling with for a long time, but have recently started seeing like the fruits of that. Um, you know, I've been buying a few NFTs and then, you know, a few weeks later I look at it and it's like, oh, wow, this has 10x or something like that. And hold on, hold on. For those for those people who did not hear what this man said, he said it 10x. He's very subtle, but Daniel's very quiet. He watches, he makes a smart investment, and then he says 10x. So just imagine, friends, just imagine you put in a dollar and a little while later, somebody gives you $10. That's pretty incredible. So outside, even if it doesn't make sense to like, uh, it's a cultural consideration, you're just like, wait, wait, wait. So there's an opportunity for me to learn a new form of investment using a new currency in a very new space. Never before in human history have we had the opportunity. Like, can you think about the last time a new currency has been in- introduced? Like, maybe it was the dollar, like the euro. The euro was the newest form of currency that was introduced. Now, you are sitting on the precipice of learning what a new currency is. Y'all, this is a currency that is borderless. This is a currency that is transparent. You are now sitting in the driver's seat to do something that is brand new, so let's get edumacated. If nothing else, I see, that's why Daniel's here. I'm sitting here talking about skins, and he's like, Jasmine, this is gonna shape the world. Okay, so that is why it's important. Like Daniel's saying, you're decentralized, like the spreadsheets, that matters because it keeps everybody accountable. So when we get into transacting, everybody's freaking accountable. Okay, so great. A couple people were saying that they're, they're on board with this. Okay, so we were talking about the blockchain. We were talking about why decentralization of the blockchain is important. So you have told me that blockchains are immutable. Daniel, can you explain what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So immutable is like another scary word, but literally it just means it can't be changed. So once something has happened, no take backsies, you know, it, it's on there and everyone knows and, and it's propagated and it's been spread across the network and everyone's spreadsheets have been updated. So essentially what I was explaining earlier is pretty much how uh, immutability works, where everyone is keeping track of everything so that way, no one person can try to trick anyone. Uh, so no one person can try to say, like, actually, that transaction that happened two years ago, um, that was uh, that was $30 instead of $20. And everyone's going to say, no, that's not true. So you can't change that old transaction, which is different from the way, like, the banking system works, right? That is mutable. So you're actually able to say, like, actually, you know that, you know, that um, transaction I made two weeks ago? undo it or, uh, you know, make it a different value or something. These are literally just numbers that our, our centralized companies can change because they have the control to mm. fine there, you know, that system does its own, it has its own purposes, but the future really does lie in us taking back control, uh, over our own banking system. Okay. So I'm going to pause here because, um, in, in the Q and a and in the chat, I'm seeing a lot of questions. Uh, people are asking, like, they want to know how they can make money with NFTs and they want to know questions from small business owners, knowing how they can create NFTs and whether or not it'd be right for their business, custom yoga straps, visual art, things of that nature. And I'm like, friends, I love that y'all are hustlers, but do you understand like right now we just popped you into a foreign country where you don't speak the language and you don't get the norm. And what you want to do is like, 
I'm going to start a business here. No, 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 no. First, remember, this is a five-part series. What we're doing is just laying the foundation. I could never say add an NFT to your business if you don't know some really, really foundational yet basic things. Now, it, this is think of this as NFT 101. If you are beyond this point, no problem. I'll see you in episode two. But before we ever consider how it works for your business, you actually have to know how it works. So don't worry. We're going to get to these questions. Ask all of your questions. We're going to be addressing them in episodes two, three, four, and five. But we are not talking about how you're going to make an NFT for your business today, y'all. Okay. So we talked about the definition of an NFT, a non-fungible token. We talked about where these digital certificates, where these NFTs are stored, and that is on the blockchain. And blockchains are immutable. That means all of everybody's spreadsheets is cross-referencing. There's no questions asked. Now let's get into Ethereum. What is Ethereum? These I'm if so for like just to recap for people who are listening, we're bringing out very big keywords that you will hear us use throughout the rest of these recordings, so that you're like Ethereum. I know what that is, Daniel. Can you define that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So Ethereum is a cryptocurrency, and uh, this cryptocurrency is basically running on blockchain. So remember when I was talking about blockchain earlier? How it's a technology that allows us to have this shared spreadsheet of transactions, right? Well, now we get to say these spreadsheets of transactions are actually keeping track of these online tokens. So now these these spreadsheets are saying Daniel sent 40 Ethereum tokens to Jasmine, which at the current price of Ethereum, I would be very rich if I had 40 to send over to you. <laughs> and I would be rich because I got the 40. <laughs> Just at the point, I mean, so here's the thing, friends. Ethereum changes the same way the dollar does. If you sent me 40 Ethereum, how much is uh, basically, Daniel, roughly, how much is one Ethereum today at the time of this recording? Yeah, last I checked, uh, it was probably floating around 2,800, 3,000. So around 3,000, I would say. Okay, so then Daniel would be sending me $120,000. <laughs> okay, so Ethereum is a cryptocurrency. It's digital money. Uh, basically, you are able to now, on the internet, send money back and forth to people digitally without a bank um, and just say, like, here, here's this value that you're able to exchange for U.S. dollars if you'd like, or keep it on the blockchain and use it within the, the economy online, which that's where NFTs come in, right? You can use Ethereum to purchase NFTs. So I, I do want to really jump into that. Like, what does it look like to have an NFT and why is Ethereum special? Because um, there are other cryptocurrencies, right? There's Bitcoin, there's Dogecoin, there's all these other coins. There's Solana. So let's break this down in terms that people would really understand. So Ethereum is money that you can use to buy things in the blockchain. You would convert, if you're an American listener, you would convert your dollars into Ethereum if you want to buy something on the blockchain the same way that you would change your dollars into pesos if you want to buy something in Mexico. Do I understand that correctly? That's absolutely correct. Same thing as like exchanging currencies. Great. So then your cryptocurrency, if you're using dollars to Ethereum or dollars to Bitcoin or dollars to Solana, it is a different type of currency. We don't have to get into all the different types or which one's best. We don't have to get into that now, but just understand that we're going to be using Ethereum as a form of us describing the currency we use to buy something on the blockchain. Cool. That's right. 
Okay. So can you like, just so that we can kind of get a differences between different types of currencies, Ethereum is slightly different compared to other currencies like Bitcoin because. Right. Yeah. So what makes Ethereum really special um, is that it's actually programmable, um, which means I can code entire applications and then host it on the blockchain. So um, it actually, in fact, NFTs, are just programs that we run on the blockchain. So I'm, I'm gonna like explore all of this right now because I know that's like so much to just drop on everyone. But if you look at Bitcoin, it's just a way to keep track of who's sending what, which is great. But Ethereum does that and more. So I can send things back and forth to people on Ethereum, but I can write a program that says, hey, when someone sends money to this address, go ahead and forward that money to someone else. Like. I'm able to, it's like, like, if this, then that, like do this. So, so Terry had asked, is there a currency that works better for certain things? Like you're saying Ethereum. So do I hear you say now one thing to be very clear, we are not giving financial advice. We are not giving recommendations. We are not advocates. We are not proponents. We are not affiliates. We are just talking about what we see. Please do not take anything we say and say, they tell me. So we're leaving this in for all legal purposes. We are just having a conversation and defining the differences. So in what and Terry is saying, well, would you use Bitcoin to buy something? Is Bitcoin better to buy? Or like, is Ethereum better to buy an NFT? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely do a quick summary of like, at least in my eyes, what each currency or each cryptocurrency, uh, its use case is for me. Um, people have different use cases for different cryptocurrencies. But uh, when I look at Bitcoin, I look at it, I look at it as like the store of value. It's like digital gold. It's where I would put my money if I'm not going to touch it for a long time. Uh, this is like, I mean, most people put their money into like a 401k and here I am like, oh, I'll put it in Bitcoin. Maybe not the best idea. I'll find out when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say, would you say that Ethereum is what, like, so someone's like, I'm ready to buy an NFT. Would you, now this is not a recommendation, but Daniel, what currency do you use? Not a recommendation to buy an NFT. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually, I'd say three currencies that I use for purchasing NFTs. Cool. Um, Ethereum being one of them. Uh, Ethereum is by far like the fan favorite, I'd say. It's kind of like the Apple of purchasing NFTs. It's expensive, but it's popular. <laughs> so um, it, there's a lot of people that are in that like ecosystem. So there's a lot of sales happening. So people are selling things for a lot more on Ethereum because there's a lot more buyers. But there are a lot of fees, which I don't want to jump into just... We're not going to jump into fees yet. Let's. Yeah. Well, we're going to say that for... Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's Polygon, which is actually another layer on top of Ethereum, which again, I don't want to dive too deep into the technology. We won't, we won't, we won't. And so then the third one, so it was Ethereum, Polygon, and? And then there's Solana. 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 Another great NFT uh, cryptocurrency. That's a little bit more eco-friendly. That's what I heard. Exactly. It's okay. eco-friendly. It's a little bit better at transacting. Like it could take a lot more transactions per second, um, but it's still relatively new to the space, but people are very excited about it. Okay. Now, one thing that I want to be, and then Daniel, you can c- keep me correct, is like right now, if you're just getting into this space, like please don't think that you can do it wrong. Like everything here is so, so, so new. Like today, Daniel could say like, oh, B- Bitcoin is my long term. I don't want to touch it. And then tomorrow he might decide, you know what, given the state of things and how things have changed and technology change, I'm going to shift what it is. Like, so please know that you can't, you can't start wrong. 
We just want you to start an experiment. Now, we don't want you to start an experiment and spend money that you don't have, but what you're doing just now is we're just getting the basics and we're just getting educated. Okay, so... We started off this conversation. Now, there are questions that are coming in from the chat that are so good, but I want to remind people, we've just made the decision that we're going to record these live every single week to ensure that we're responding to the questions that we're getting. So people are asking questions that we're going to answer in episodes three and four. So I don't want to get too deep into that because so a little bit of story time, ladies and gentlemen, is I had the opportunity to sit on a board of 50 founding members for an organization called BFF. All women space, getting it into the NFT space. And the goal of this organization was to empower and equip equip and educate women's getting into NFTs. So they hosted a live event and this live event was at two, two and a half hours. And it was phenomenal, but they started off doing the same thing we're doing now. Like starting off with definitions, telling people to get a wallet, how to move money to the wallet. And it was brilliant. It was amazing. I give it a 10 out of 10. It was also so overwhelming. It was a lot of information and oftentimes, now what I have experienced, it might have be a totally different crew over yonder. What I have experienced is people love getting all of the information and then they immediately go into analysis paralysis. I have so much information, I don't actually know what to do. I do not want that to happen on this podcast episode. We're actually going to end the podcast episodes a little early to want to leave you wanting more. Think of this as like episodic Queen's Gambit. Like, oh, oh I want the next episode. That's right. So we began this conversation with the idea of scaffolding. This is just the grunt work, ladies and gentlemen. This is us just laying the foundation and this is us really avoiding the overwhelm. There is nothing for you to do today unless you would like to dig deeper into what currency am I interested in? That's on you. The good news is next week when we come back and we record these live, we're going to get into different things. Gas, purchasing, wallets, all that good stuff is coming. But what we're trying to do is warm you up. And remember, we dropped you in a different country speaking a different language. All we're trying to do is get you familiar with the language. Okay, so Christy, um, do you want to come on real quick and, and make sure that we that we tied up like loose ends? I'm wondering if we can do a very brief top to bottom summary. Oh, I freaking love this. Yes, Daniel. Professor Daniel is going to, he's going to step in and he's going to, to see how you did. I'm the, the voice of the people right now because truly, um, for those of you who are watching and listening, I have no idea what we're talking about. So this is great because as the podcast producer, I can kind of tell you what I'm getting and we'll all make sure we're on the same page. So what I'm getting is an NFT is a non-fungible token, which means I cannot exchange one FT for another since no NFT has the same value. So it's not like exchanging $1, one US dollar for another US dollar, right? Because they are the same. So this is kind of like trading in an apple for an orange. It's not the same thing. You can't, they're not the same thing. Okay. It's important to get an NFT. Is it just for, I'm still like, everybody's still asking this question, but just the idea that like, it's a representation of who you are and what you value. Is that a good representation? Plus the fact that you can actually benefit monetarily by investing in an NFT that you enjoy, you value by supporting that artist, for example, right? And then potentially I could sell that NFT, whether it be 10 days from now or 10 years from now for more than what I bought it for, right? 
Okay, cool. Um, so that's kind of the why and what in uh, Daniel, I'm giving her a two out of two so far. I mean, banger, banger. Okay, okay. And then let's see, let's see in the chat. Let's see if, if Christy's mapping your understanding of how we're breaking this down. Okay, Christy, next point. The next point was where they're stored. So NFTs are stored on a blockchain, which from what I'm getting, it's kind of like an Excel sheet that just keeps track of who sent what, who paid for what, who, right? Who did what? <laughs> it's just really well, cool. well, it's a series. It's a series of Excel spreadsheets. So it's not just one. So there's veracity and more trust. The more people that keep you accountable, the multiple Excel spreadsheets, that's what the blockchain is, keeping everybody accountable. And the blockchain keeps track of all purchases, whether it's poly, what is it? Polygon, poly something. <laughs> yeah, there's there's actually different blockchains. So like Polygon okay. is running on a different blockchain versus like, let's say Solana. Right. And, and Ethereum has its own blockchain. Okay. Exactly. That's good. Because I thought they were all on the same one. So now I understand. So there's <laughs> multiple blockchains and they're all based on the different types of cryptocurrencies. And the cryptocurrencies are what you use to purchase NFTs. So just from my understanding on the very base level, I could take my US dollars and buy Ethereum or Polygon or the other one that I already forgot. You just said it and I forgot it already. And <laughs> I take my US dollar, purchase my, my Ethereum, and then use my Ethereum to then purchase the NFT. And then I can like hold on to that for as long as I want and then sell that later to make money. Huh? Right on it. Yes, nailed it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get Christy. Bravo, job well done. So this one's actually related to this episode. So Daniel, is it better to be diversified and purchase uh, different cryptocurrencies? You know, uh, it really depends on on uh, what you're going for. I know um, I personally like to like hedge my bets and like put my money in different places. So, I mean, my personal recommendation is definitely diversify. I feel like um, a lot of like the investment thinking that you do in like the stock market really applies to pretty much any part of crypto, the cryptocurrency market, the NFT market. Um, I think a lot of those concepts carry over. That being said, uh, you know, it, it depends on how you how you practice that. Right. I, you know, a few years ago, I could have left some money just in Bitcoin, but I decided to diversify into a few other coins. All those other coins did not do well. Bitcoin is great <laughs> and I still have money in it, but you know, I would have had even more gains from it had I just left all of my money in it. So it's really like a, you know, try your best to make the best decisions you can. Uh, and diversifying is probably your best bet. It's like the safest bet. Maybe you won't get like the crazy gains, but it's the safest bet. Okay. So Pauline, I'm going to close out with a couple of questions from the people who are listening live, but I want to shout out to Terry again. Don't worry, Terry, we're going to get into wallets in the next episode. Remember, we no overwhelm quite yet. We're getting the terminology down. Pauline, how are we feeling as the voice of the people? Any questions, anything outlying? Well, as a voice of the people, I think you guys did a great job of setting the foundation, but I guess I am still curious about like where NFTs could take, like, I guess, as a voice of small business owners who are wondering how it could apply to their business. And for me personally, I'm also an artist, aside from being a developer, a social creator. I'm very curious about how, like, to find my place in this space. So I guess what I'm asking is, as a visual artist, how do we decide how creating NFTs will benefit us? Or and if there are any risks with creating NFTs? 
Mm. Such a good question. Okay. <laughs> but Daniel, okay. Pauline, bomb question. And so many people were asking that. It is so spot on with the people who are listening right now. Do you think, Daniel, now is the right time to answer that? Or should we do a little bit more building block to be like, now you're empowered to make that decision? Right. I think, I think I'd love to give a Cliff Notes version of it. Kind of like a little teaser of like what's to come in the next few episodes. Great. Um, Boom. Boom. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> so yeah, Cliff's Notes version, version of it. Um, if you look at it, things are going to change a lot in the way that artists are going to be making money online. Because uh, you look at it, the, before NFTs came into the picture, if you look at the way artists make money, the system is broken. Like you look at Spotify, right? And for every listen, they get like $0.006. So they get not even a full cent per listen. Versus like, you know, a few years ago, you would purchase a CD for however many dollars. Um, so things have changed a lot over the past few years. And artists are not making as much money as they used to off of their work. But the one thing that the current systems have not accounted for is that there are fans. And then there are super fans. Like there are people that love your work. <gasps> Amen. 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 Okay. Because there's 68 people at this recording and every single one of y'all are a freaking super fan period. The end. That's just it. That's just it. And that's the whole freaking point. Daniel is that the NFT space is for the freaking super fans, the super fans, the 2% of any of your buyers are going to be the thing that will rock your freaking world in NFT land. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got the soapbox. Daniel, let's close it out. You got it. So yeah, basically it's these it's these super fans that are going to be purchasing your NFTs and they are going to be funding you up front. Think of it as like an investment in your project. They are saying, I believe in you, please continue, and here is a large sum of money up front. Versus like, please, you know, make this with the risk of it not doing well, and then people will listen to it and you need to have tons of people listening to it. This is gonna be the future of supporting small artists. And you know what the best part about it is? There's no middleman. It's going straight from the art, from the fans to the artists. And that's what excites me. The record label is gone. The producers are gone. The people who take a piece of your pie because of some sort of like specialty that they have, it's gone. The whole structure has changed. And I'm going to take, I'm going to pick a little bit of a bone at what Daniel had said. He's like, in exchange for a lot of money. He said, in exchange for a lot of money. I think that's patently wrong. Because honestly, you get a small group of people who give you $2,000 out of thin air. That's a hell of a lot of money more than you had saw. So it's subjective. $2,000 can radically change somebody's life. And so you don't need to have a project that launches for $100,000. You can have a project that changes your life for $1,000. Somebody's giving a group of people, a small group of people are giving you a certain amount of money for you to do what you want to do. That is the shot in the arm that you need. That is a boost of confidence. And then they're more invested because they know as long as they continue to hype you up, the value of the NFT they purchased in only increases. The community is incentivized to stay along with you. It is their ours and yours on the line. Ladies and gentlemen, I keep on hitting my mic because I'm a Latina and I use my hands to speak for everything. Stay tuned for episode two. We did make the decision to record these live in real time. So when y'all are hearing this podcast, we are recording these every Thursday. If you would like to stay up to date and get these live drops of when we are recording, you can go to jasminestar.com forward slash text me jasminestar.com forward slash text me we will send a reminder when we're dropping i hope to see the rest of y'all here for this party thank you so much for joining us this, uh, on this adventure it has been an honor it has been a privilege i get to be the one on the mic daniel pauline 
Christy and hopefully our future NFT crypto curious future podcast song. Maybe it'll debut next week. No pressure. Christy and Daniel are both musicians. Just, just saying. All right, y'all have a good one. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.